You are listening to a message by Refuge Community Church. Refuge exists to glorify God by making disciples that shape their communities with the love of Jesus. Hey, good morning, friends. Uh, if this is your first time joining us, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at Refuge. Uh, if this is your first time, again, man, Refuge is a new church in Southeast Austin. Uh, I would encourage you, if this is your first time, jump into the video description, click our connections page. We would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear how we can pray for you, how we can serve you, especially right now, in addition to sharing a little bit about who we are and what we're doing. Um, if you are regular here, if you call Refuge Home, which I assume is the majority of the people watching this video, then, then you know who I am, but you also know that this is going to be our time in the Word, and that we are also in the middle of a sermon series called Acts, A Movement for the Modern World. Uh, man, it's really, we're just dissecting how Jesus is still moving in the world through his people, through the church. And so last week, Sean, our other pastor, did a great job at breaking down the first couple of verses in Acts, showing the meaning and how powerful it is uh, that the Holy Spirit would come into the life of the believer. And this week, we're going to be coming, uh, you know, continuing, I should say, through that middle section of Acts. But we're going to really use that middle section to take a step back and to evaluate the bigger picture in Acts and really the bigger picture in the story of redemption by focusing in on who the Holy Spirit is. Now, as I was preparing this week, uh, thinking about the Holy Spirit, I thought of another phenomenon that was sweeping across the country, similar to the church. Uh, but it's not the Holy Spirit, and nor is it COVID. So we're not going to talk about COVID for a second. It's actually the documentary series, The Last Dance on ESPN. Now, you may be laughing, but I have been just enthralled by this thing. And a lot of people have. It's everywhere. Uh, it's a documentary, documentary series following uh, the last championship season of the Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan. And if you know me, you know, man, I love me some Michael Jordan, all right? Uh, and his last two seasons with the Bulls are like my first memories of basketball. And so he's just this like glorified figure in my mind when it comes to basketball. In addition, man, like got my first pair of J's when I was nine. J's or Jordans, his shoes, J's. Uh, if you saw me today, you'd probably still see me in a pair of J's. I had that cardboard cutout of Jordan when I was a teenager, that life-size one. Uh, he's just this huge basketball figure for me and a lot of other people in my generation. But as much fawning, as much like, like oogling and goggling or whatever as we do over Michael Jordan, there was another quintessential player on all those Bulls teams. An all-NBA player, an all-defense player, an a all-star game MVP, a top 50 player of all time. If you know anything about basketball, then you know I'm talking about the great Scottie Pippen. All right, He was an amazing player, yet he's overshadowed really by the greatness of Michael Jordan. But, but it's a shame. Man, Andy Bailey. Andy Bailey is an author uh, for Bleacher Report, a, a sports website. And he, about Pippen, he wrote this. He, Pippen, was a critical component of six title teams. To call him Michael Jordan's sidekick is a disservice. Instead, he was half of what is perhaps the greatest duo in the game's history. Michael Jordan himself said... I will never find another partner like Scottie Pippen. Whenever they speak Michael Jordan, they should speak Scottie Pippen. Now, you may be asking yourself, like, what in the world does this have to do with Acts and the Holy Spirit? Thank you for asking. Uh, man, I would petition that some of the same forgetfulness that we have with Scottie Pippen <laughs> is, is also some of the same forgetfulness that we have with the Holy Spirit. Much more than God the Father and Jesus' sidekick, the Holy Spirit is an equal part of the triune God. He is God. Man, and, and it's often easy to overlook him. In fact, this is an example. In the book of Acts, if I was going to ask you, hey, who are the main players in this book? A lot of us would say something like 
Peter, Paul, maybe even Jesus, very few of us would see the Holy Spirit as an active participant in the book of Acts, yet he is. He's an active, active participant. Not a force or an energy, but an active person, a character in the book of Acts. And, and uh, without him, man, there, there is no book of Acts. Without him, there's no resurrection of Jesus. Without him, there's no new life in Jesus. Without him, there's no promise that we'll get to heaven. Man, without him, the burdens that we're carrying, we have no hope for them today. Without him, friends, there's no hope. The Holy Spirit, it's tragic when we forget him. And so today's sermon is actually called Recovery Mode. Because what I pray we're able to do is to, to use Acts 2 really as a jumping point to see what Scripture says about the Holy Spirit and how it impacts our lives. Okay, now, and what I hope happens is that we can really, from here, recapture, recover a sense of appreciation and dependence on the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as Christians. Now, I want to go ahead and jump in uh, because for the sake of time, I, I want to try to get us out of here speedily. Uh, but but let's jump into the text now. Some context for where we're at. Uh, if you weren't with us last week, then then you missed that. Man, last week we talked about the fulfillment of Jesus' promise in Acts one. In Acts one, Jesus is like, hey, you're going to receive the Spirit. Disciples go wait for the Spirit. The disciples they go wait for the Spirit in the upper room, and in the upper room they receive the Spirit, and something crazy starts happening. They start speaking in all these languages they didn't know like five minutes ago, and this huge crowd gathers around. It's like, what in the heck is going on? All these people are speaking different languages. We can all understand them, uh, but they ain't from those places. And it's from here that that Peter actually steps out and begins to explain what's happening and really begins to deliver his first sermon. And it is a doozy. It is amazing. It's theologically jam-packed. and It's a lot of fun. Now, due to kind of like some of our time constraints, we can't churn through that detail by detail. It would just take way too long. And it's something that like one sermon really can't do justice. Uh, I really hope that we're able to circle back to it one day, spend a few weeks just churning through it. That'd be a lot of fun. But I also want to encourage you, go and read it on your own. If you need any study materials and things to help your understanding or to enhance your understanding of the text, holler at me, man. I'd love to send you some resources. But today what we're going to do is using that text, we're going to help, uh, we're going to use that text to help us get a bigger picture of Acts and, again, really the story of redemption. Uh, because what the, the, the text really shows us, even what Callie read a little bit ago, is that it gives us this front row seat to the power of the Holy Spirit. And whether you know it or whether you don't, the reality is the Holy Spirit has been present and has been critical through the entirety of Scripture. Okay, But think about just the New Testament. Jesus, during his earthly ministry, was always was constantly referencing the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the power of God. Uh, man, in Acts 1, he promised his disciples the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, when they receive the Holy Spirit, they start speaking in other languages, right? It is a crazy uh, kind of like, like it's just a clear uh, testimony that the Holy Spirit is a powerful and critical part of this story and the story of each follower of Jesus. But before we move forward and understand the rest of the story of Acts, we really have to understand the question, who is the Holy Spirit? We have to answer the question, who is the Holy Spirit? And man, that's a huge question. And it's also a difficult one because he isn't talked about much, is he? Like really, and when he is talked about, he's talked about in reference to like the supernatural gifts of the Spirit or the charismatic movement, Pentecostalism. But there's, there's really so much more to him than that. So much more, in fact, that to answer the question, who is the Holy Spirit, is like, it's likewise kind of impossible for me to do it right now. But 
it's so much so that the short answer is that he's God and the long answer is that he's God, right? Like, like, like you kind of both end. It, it, it's the short answer and the long answer. It's such a big, powerful thing because there's so much to him. So think about it like this. If he's God, then that means everything you know to be true about God is true of the Holy Spirit. His love, his affection, his character, um, or his compassion, it's all true because it's all part of the same character that he shares with God the Father and with Jesus. Yet he isn't God the Father and Jesus. He's a distinct person. He's not a force or an energy. He is a person with his own feelings and personality, yet shares the same character and nature with God the Father and with Jesus. And as a result, he has his own role in the Godhead. He has his own job as God in our lives and in, in the lives of all of creation. Uh, and for today's purposes, what I want to do is to give us a kind of a, a look into who that Holy Spirit is. I want to try to summarize that role and that character, that, 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 that job in two specific points. Uh, the points are, one, the giver of life, and two, God with us. So, so we're going to work through how you know, the Holy Spirit is the giver of life and how he is God with us. Now, first, the giver of life. The Nicene Creed, an early affirmation of the Christian faith, describes the Holy Spirit as the Lord, the giver of life. And it makes sense because in Genesis 1, it's the Holy Spirit that's hovering over the water that breathes life into creation, specifically into humanity. Uh, yet in sin, we turn away from that God that brings us life. And we desire things in our sin that don't bring us life, that actually bring us death, create routines and habits that hurt uh, us and others. Uh, man, it, it, it's that sin, right, that actually separates us from the giver of life, the Holy Spirit. But just like that moment in the beginning, it's also the Holy Spirit that breathes new life into us. Take a look at Romans 8, verse 10. It says, Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit gives life because of righteousness. Okay, check this out. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, those beautiful moments where God became appealing to you, where Christ had some type of attraction to you, that was the Holy Spirit working in your heart. That first song, that first sermon, that first scripture, man, that was him giving you a, a, a new heart, right? Bringing life to your spiritual deadness. Man, I specifically remember uh, in my life when I was 19, man, and I remember sitting in the back of a church and crying uh, because I heard really for the first time God whisper to me, I love you. My heart felt this very strong reality that God loved me. Now, outside of that, I was, I was using drugs six to eight times a day. I was looking for life and meaning in girls and alcohol and, and trying to be a famous musician. And it was in that moment that all that really got silenced. I didn't need any of those things anymore because the Holy Spirit for the first time was whispering to me, I love you. In that moment, sitting in the back of that church crying, I, I was feeling for the first time the Holy Spirit give me a new heart to make me alive, to make me awake. It's something that I'll never forget. Two weeks later, I actually went to that same church. It was on a weekday. Nobody was there, and I gave my life to Jesus, man. I, I confessed my need for him. I turned to him, and I received the Spirit. And it's that Spirit that began the process, and it was a process of change uh, in my heart. It hasn't been perfect. There's been messes and mess-ups. Uh, but man, I, I was actually beginning the, the process of change slowly but surely 
because of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's the whole reason that he's the reason I'm actually able to change today. He's the reason we have the ability to change it all right now. Why we have hope today. You see, because it's the spirit um, giving us new life uh, that really creates change in our hearts. Okay, like, like, hear me out. Listen to me. If you are sitting down anywhere, if you can hear my voice, uh, and you thought to yourself, like, man, I've wrestled with things like lust. I've wrestled with things like anger. I've wrestled with things uh, like fear. And you've also thought, and I'm, I feel like I'm never going to overcome them. I want to I tell you something lovingly. On your own, friend, you are 100% correct. You are not going to overcome those things. But with the Spirit of God in us, He begins the process of change um, that we so desperately need and are so desperately longing for. Not just behavior change, but heart change. You see, He begins to use things like Scripture, our prayer life, our our church family, to begin to, to change us and create a desire for Jesus that's greater than the momentary pleasures and the momentary satisfactions that things like lust or anger or even fear can provide us. I know it seems too good to be true, but friends, it's not. It's not because that that life-giving, that transforming power, that life that's inside of us is not something that's just given to us on in a moment when we need it, but, but it's actually, it, it's something far greater than that. It's something far more than that. It's actually God himself because the Holy Spirit is not just the giver of life, but he is also God with us, God with us. You see, when the Spirit gives us life, he gives us himself. The one that, that breathed life back into Christ's body, like dead body, that's the one that is now living in us, that is with us. Now, now check out check out 1 Corinthians 3.16, where Paul writes, Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? Now, what does that mean? Friends, it means that you're never alone. It means that the Spirit of God is with you. He indwells you. Man, his power, his love is there. He brings life change. He brings peace. He brings comfort. He brings hope, not by simply providing the abstract idea of them, but by, by giving us his own life, his own peace, his own hope, his own courage, his own transforming power. You're not alone, friends, and you're not powerless. You have the spirit of the living God inside of you. Man, I... um. Man, I love the way Michael Reeves, he is a theologian and professor. I love the way he describes this miraculous thing, this beautiful truth. He says, the life the Spirit gives is not an abstract package of blessing. It is his own life that he shares with us, the life of fellowship with the Father and the Son. Thus the Spirit is not like some divine milkman leaving the gift of life on our doorsteps only to move on. In giving us life, he comes in to be with us and remains with us. Having once given life, then, he does not move on. He stays to make that life blossom and to grow. Friends, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit living with us, creating life, bringing life creating transforming change he is with us we are not alone and we are not powerless we have the holy spirit of god with us man it's no wonder that jesus said um, it's better that the spirit would come and be with you why Uh, well to answer that question i I want us to jump back into the text a little bit 
just take a look and think about our text for a second. At this moment, there's a room full of people who had deserted Jesus, doubted his resurrection, cursed him and denied him. And when the Holy Spirit enters into their reality, into their world, into their heart, then their doubt gets transformed into faith. And their, their, their fear gets transformed into courage. The friends that are surrounding them get, get transformed into a family. Like, like, think about this. Consider Peter for a second. A few weeks prior to this moment, Peter was denying Christ and even went so far as to curse Christ in order to prove he wasn't a part of his crew because he was scared they were going to arrest him in addition to Jesus. And just a few weeks later, through the power of the Spirit creating change and transformation, Peter standing in front of a crowd that is at least 5,000 people big declaring that this same Jesus you crucified is Lord and Messiah. How's that for some transformation? Consider Peter's audience. Man, this huge group of people, there were some of, some of these same people were part of the crowds just a few weeks earlier that were crying out, crucify him, crucify him, that were throwing taunts out, that were spitting at Jesus as he carried his cross up to the place, Golgotha, where he would be crucified. And are now in hearing of the glory of the resurrected Jesus asking Peter, what do I need to do to be found in him, to be saved? That's the power of the Spirit, friends. And look at Peter's response. It's so fitting. It's so fitting. In verse 39, when they ask him, what do I need to do to be saved? He responds, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He knew what they needed was to turn their heart away from their old life. That's repentance. To turn their life toward God that's faith and the life in him and to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, to receive the spirit that was going to be actively working out the power of God, the life of God, the redemption and grace of God in their lives on a day-to-day basis. I love the way Tony Morita, he is a pastor and author, uh, says so much about this text in just one sentence. He says, Peter's sermon shows us how the spirit of God takes the gospel and works in people's hearts. So, what does this mean for us? Right? What does this mean for us? Because I've, I've dropped some jewels in there, and I hope that we've picked them up and we've written them down, and I hope they're encouraging. But, but what does it mean for us? And the reality is, in a perfect world, we could pretty much stop here and be like, all right, friends, you have the Spirit of God. Man, go out, live victoriously, punch sin in the face. It's going to be awesome. Um, but the reality is a little different than that. Because though we know this, man, I'm not sure we actually believe this. Now, now hear me out, hear me out. We understand it. Like, like, if I bust out the pop quiz right now, a lot of you guys are acing it. But, but when it comes to deeply believing it in our lives, in our day-to-day lives, it, it's a struggle still. Check this out. Think about the idea of loneliness. The last time you wrestled with loneliness... Did your heart respond by saying, you're not alone? The spirit of the living God is with you and you will never be alone. You have the fellowship of Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit is empowering you. Man, you are, never al- you are not alone and you are never going to be alone. 
I'm hopeful that some of you felt that. But if I'm being honest, the last time I felt with, I wrestled with loneliness, man, I didn't feel that. My heart didn't respond that way. Think about anger. Man, the last time I was wrestling with anger, uh, I don't remember thinking I have the Lord of peace living in me. I have the peace of God at work in my heart. The last time I wrestled with fear, I, I don't remember truly believing the Holy Spirit could spur my heart and stir a deeper trust in God that would leave me fearless, filled with courage and boldness and able to look at what was coming up and going, you know what, God got it. I, I, my heart doesn't respond that way. I oftentimes forget that the Holy Spirit is present and at work. The pages of scripture seem like distant promises that will one day be true. And I sometimes forget that the author of those very scriptures, the power of God to bring Christ's body back to life. Okay, the one who created new life in me and breathed life into everything around me is currently inside of me, spurring me to peace, spurring me uh, to wholeness, spurring me to life, spurring me to courage, spurring me to purity. I forget that. And that is a tragedy friend we forget that that's a tragedy google earlier i brought up scotty pippen as an example of the holy spirit and i hope that helped in the way i was trying to use it but a better example might be thomas clarkson if you don't know who that is that's really okay that's kind of the point thomas clarkson was a um was an english abolitionist uh, and dude was a legend dude was a complete boss like there's stories of him like like sneaking onto slave ships and recording like like the conditions of the slave ship, going back out and publishing it and like stirring and causing outcry and really pushing the abolitionist movement forward. There's even some stories and like some 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 uh, hearsay about him actually trying to free some slaves while he was on those ships. Now, you probably don't know him because he really lives in the shadow of another guy named William Wilberforce, who some of you probably do know. William Wilberforce was actually like the political face of the abolitionist movement in England. And so he was the one that was actually getting all of the nuts and bolts taken care of when it came to like, like truly like, like making slavery illegal across England. He was a, an important figure, a critical figure, and he deserves all of the honor that we pay to him. But, but the sad part is that sometimes it's easy to forget that, that though it was actually William Wilberforce who was doing uh, the legal work of making slavery illegal, it was men like Thomas Clarkson who were on the ground actually working out what that freedom and liberation looked like in the lives of slaves. Likewise, friend, Jesus glory to his name has freed us and redeemed us through his work on the cross. He's paid the debt to our sin. Man, he has brought us life that we could never afford. But the saddest thing in our lives is often the reality that we forget that the actual bring, the one who's working out, I should say, that redemption and grace and beauty and freedom in our lives is the Holy Spirit entering into the depths of my darkness and bringing life where there was death, bringing peace uh, where there was anguish, bringing hope where there was hopelessness. We oftentimes forget that that is not a story. Uh, the gospel is not a story that is so far back that we can't see it, but the gospel because of the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts is for us today. It's for us today. It's for us right now because the Holy Spirit is making it real in our hearts right now. 
But I want to encourage you to end, friends. To finish up here, I want to encourage you that because of the gospel, though, though it is a reality that we can grieve the Holy Spirit as we neglect the, the, the life and the peace and the transforming work that he desires to bring into our lives because of the gospel, we can never lose the Holy Spirit. You see, the beauty of the gospel is that Christ died and in his resurrection, he guaranteed the promised Holy Spirit would come and live in us. He promised us the same life that he now lives and enjoys, we would experience And that life is the life of the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts, drawing us to Jesus. And like the gospel, right, right, those of us that know the gospel, we know that because Jesus died on the cross, because he resurrected in our place, we now have exchanged our death and sinfulness with his beauty and perfection. And now there's nothing we can do to gain his favor, to lose his favor, to gain his grace, to lose his grace. But it is by grace that we're saved by faith in Jesus Likewise, because the grace of God in the gospel has brought us the Holy Spirit, it is not your your performance that gains or loses the Spirit's work and affection in your life. Friends, because Jesus has purchased for us new life through the cross, we now have free access to the Holy Spirit who's actively working in our lives and and, and isn't turned away and isn't, isn't shunned to the point that he would leave us because we forget him. We don't have to earn his presence, his favor, his love, his hope, friends. We simply have to remember it. We simply have to remember it. We have to cling to it. And so this week, considering the Holy Spirit is the giver of life, thinking through, man, he is God with me. This week, I have three specific things that I want you to do in order to begin the process of really seeking and remembering the Holy Spirit's work in your life, really seeking out that one who is actively working the redemption of Jesus in our lives right now. The first thing is I want you to pray for discernment, okay? Every morning, you know, whether you, it's where you're, when you're getting ready or for those that are driving to work on your drive to work, whatever the case is, uh, I, I want you to pray and ask God that you, he would give you discernment by his spirit to see where he's working on you. The Holy Spirit is the one working on you. When you pray to God, though, and ask that he, by his spirit, would show us what he's doing, the Holy Spirit is the one that begins to, to reveal to us what's happening. Okay, and it doesn't have to be some complex prayer. Okay, just as you're getting ready, man, take a second, slow your mind, and simply ask God, Lord, by your Spirit, show me where you are working in me today. Simply doing that every morning at least gives our mind the space and the context, the shelf space to think to ourselves, okay, during this day, God's going to be working on me. I want to know where it is. The second is I want you to ask the Spirit for clarity in Scripture. What do I mean by that? I mean, man, open up the Scriptures, and before you start reading a word, ask the Holy Spirit to show you Jesus in the Scriptures. Uh, We know from Scripture that it's the Holy Spirit that actually wrote the Scriptures. He inspired and moving in the hearts of human beings, the human authors of scripture wrote down this revelation of who God is and what he is and who he is and what he's doing. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of those tools that he actually made that he desires to use in order to show us the beauty of Jesus, to really change our heart by helping us see God's grace, God's love, God's affection. 
And so every day, pray to the Holy Spirit. Just simply say, hey, Lord, please, maybe not hey, but, <laughs> but uh, Lord, Spirit, please open my mind to see Jesus in the scripture today. And if you're not reading scripture, please get in the scriptures, all right? Side note. <laughs> the last one, and this one's often a challenge for us, is meditate on the Lord. Meditate on the Lord. Uh, man, simply putting our mind in a place where we are focused on Jesus, right? Where we're canceling out all the other noise, all the other things that, that are trying to come in and, and trying to, to, to really have us kind of think about this, think about that, really canceling out all that noise and having the ability to simply focus on Jesus, to meditate on his character, to meditate on his goodness, to meditate on his, his, his grace and his love. Man, this is the kind of space that the Spirit uses to start shaping and transforming our lives, right? Another way to think about this is simply just to listen, right? All right. To meditate on the Lord is often just to like think on him and listen, all right, it's not to empty our minds. That's that's some other thing. That's not Christian meditation. We're not like emptying our minds to reach some type of like Zen. That's not it. Rather, Christian meditation is the act of filling our mind with the glory and beauty of Jesus, the glory and beauty of God. And in those moments, inviting God to speak to us. You see, and it's the Holy Spirit that actually is going to speak to us. And so meditating on the Lord and inviting the Spirit to speak to us, man, that is a huge way and a great way to actually invite the Spirit into our lives. Uh, this may be a little bit of a weird one. I get that. There are ways that, that we can practically get better at that. If you are having trouble with this one, man, feel free to reach out to me. I would love to send you some resources. I personally use an app called Abide. Um, it takes two minutes out of the day, just introduces a bit of scripture to you, and it invites you to really focus your mind on that scripture and what it's telling you about God. And it invites you into just spending some time thinking about it, which is a great help. Um, last thing I want to say, friends, is that I'm praying that, that we can tap into and recover uh, a bit of the appreciation and dependence on the Spirit that, that our hearts need in order to experience the love and peace and transforming work of Jesus. And I hope that that's a, an encouragement for us today. I hope that we tap back into that and that, man, it's, in, it's empowering even this evening. But in addition to that, one of the things I would say is that as we move forward in our sermon series, um, we're going to see how the Spirit of God at work in the life of believers produces some awesome things. And a very natural response for a lot of us is going to be to go, oh man, that's cool, but that's not me. Or, oh, that's cool, but that's out of my comfort zone. Or, that's way too hard for me. And it's a very natural response. The reason a sermon like this and talking about this is important is because over the next few weeks, I'm encouraging you in those moments when you're responding, you can feel your heart going, that's too much for me. It's critical that we jump back in and say, but I have to depend on something that is beyond me, but living inside of me. To realize that the truth is that, man, it, it, it may be too hard, but we have the power of God inside of us, empowering us to live out what the scriptures are calling us to. It may not be me, but the transforming work of the Holy Spirit is shaping me into something that I wasn't and now moving me into something that I can't even imagine. And so, so man, depending on that truth is going to be critical. And it's my prayer that, that we can turn back to some of these thoughts and really kind of come back to that well and go, hey, Lord, help me. Help me remember you. 
Help me remember your spirit at work inside of me. Help me remember that you are giving me life. Help me remember that you are with me and that you have never left and that you will never leave, that I am not alone and that you are actively working uh, to, to bring new life to me. In addition, I, I wasn't even planning on saying this, and so I'm running a little bit over on time, but I don't care. I need to say it. A lot of us are working through uh, Ahmed Arbery, right? Like, like the tragedy, the news of his killing. And for some of us, that has spurred things like anger, frustration, confusion, sadness. Man, friends, these truths are critical because it invites us back to realizing that there is only one who provides justice. And there is only one that actually provides comfort when we're looking at injustice. Right, to look at injustice in the face without knowing that the power of a just, merciful, gracious, but comforting and peace-filled God is at work in our hearts is devastating. But you have the living God inside of you who promises peace, who promises comfort, um, and who also promises to be one who, who goes out and creates justice in the world. And so I wanted, I want to just reaffirm today that, man, my prayer is that, that we would cling to this, that we would depend on this, this Jesus, that we would really see him at work in our lives through the Holy Spirit, and it would be encouraging and empowering to us. What I want to do is I just want to pray for us to close, and then we're going to spend some time responding in worship, uh, and then I'm going to jump back in and, and close us out, and that'll be how we finish up our time today, okay? Bow your heads and uh, pray with me. Father, thank you so much for your spirit, God. Thank you that when we were dead in our sins, it was your spirit that gave us life and gave us a new heart that replaced a heart of stone with a heart of flesh. Thank you that when it feels like we fail, uh, we feel like we've lost you. It's untrue because you've never left us because your spirit is God with us. It gives you it gives us perfect fellowship with you. It gives us perfect fellowship with Jesus. It encourages, empowers, it brings us hope, life, and transformation. God, let our hearts today overcome discouragement, not with simple words like everything's going to be okay, but with the truth that there is uh, the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, bringing us hope and um, making, create, like working things out um, to your glory and for our good. We love you. We thank you. I pray that this would be an encouragement and uh, it's a blessing to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith.